Listener, Joseph here with a quick pre-show correction. Shortly after recording today's episode, Paulina, our guest, realized that she never formally introduced the name of her family's farm. So I thought before getting into the show, I would do so for us. Paulina is one of the daughters of Dos Niñas Coffee Importers. Here is a piece of information straight from their website about them. Dos Niñas Coffee, as you may have guessed, is centered around two girls. The Shipper sisters spent much of their childhood in the Guatemalan countryside on their family's farm, Finca San Luis El Volcancito. Now living stateside, the two girls have dedicated themselves to the work of introducing roasters across the U.S. to the exceptional coffee the Shipper's families have been producing for four generations. So, what sets Dos Niñas apart? A relentless dedication to our core values, family, quality, and traceability. Now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to CART, a podcast about coffee and related topics. My name is Paulina Shippers. And my name is Joseph Jenkins, owner of Sustain Coffee Company, a business that I, along with other knowledgeable coffee geeks, baristas, and coffee shop hosts, use to teach people about coffee in interactive, and highly discussional methods. But moreover, I am a coffee drinker, maker, and educator, and I really enjoy people. This podcast was inspired by the many discussion starters that happened during monthly Coffee 101 classes. My desire is to answer those questions in a more extensive manner. Today we are joined by a very unique guest, Paulina Shippers. Paulina comes from a rich heritage of coffee farming in the picturesque Guatemalan countryside. And while Paulina does not presently reside on the farm, she carries her family's legacy with her here stateside as an importer. We have personally only spoken to her once over the phone to get the details ironed out for today's show. So I will let Paulina speak for herself. Hey, Paulina, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is, this is fun. Yeah, so could you just, uh, we'll just jump right into it. Could you give us a brief overview of who you are and how you got into this whole world of coffee? Yeah, well, so I am, my dad owns a coffee farm in Guatemala. Um, I was basically born into the world of coffee. Uh, coffee has been in our family for five generations now. Um and about five years ago, I recently got into the specialty coffee world here, uh, importing from our farm warehousing here in Montgomery, Alabama, where I live, and distributing to coffee roasters. This is definitely going to be a unique conversation because most of the individuals that I talk to are baristas, or they are they're coffee professionals from a perspective of the serving side of things, not so much, or even from roasting. Um, but I've never gone this far down into the Before we get into that conversation, I always like to gauge my guests just as their own coffee interests and other general questions. So I'll start with asking, what kind of coffee have you been enjoying lately? Uh, okay, well, I'm a little biased because um, I usually drink our coffee. Uh, I'm currently drinking a yellow Ikatu. 
from our San Isidro lot that is roasted by Prevail Coffee. Uh, it is the wash process, and I brew it on a Chemex. I have been drinking a Dara Guerra from Brandy. Um, it's just been a great experience. It, it tastes kind of like the, the body of it's so easy to drink, but also very exciting every time I brew it. So that's great. Um, and bring, bring it to the. It's really only two pours. Um, so that's a. Next question for you is what would you say, Paulina, your favorite region of coffee is apart from maybe Guatemala, since you do have a bias? Is there another region <laughs> that you're like, yeah, I really enjoy those regions? If not, that's okay too. Um, I do enjoy Central. Uh, American coffees, you know, for me, it's, it's tones and that's just, I mean, that's what I grew up with, you know, that's what mom and dad are sitting at the table and they're having breakfast. I'm like, hey, can I please have a little sip of your coffee? That's what I've always known. So that's usually what I tend to gravitate towards. Okay. So that kind of leans into the next question. You kind of already have, are hinting at it and it's just proof to the question is what kind of emotional ties to taste do you have and to clarify a lot of times I have found that there is a direct connection between the things that we as adults like to drink especially or even like to eat to what we grew up with you know be it be it holidays or be it um, just cultural things that impacted our tasting palate so um, you can expand on that if you'd like to. You kind of already said it, but in terms of taste and coffee, what are things that you... Well, as far as, you know, flavors go, but like I said, just like, I guess what you would expect out of a most washed Central American. But as far as tying it to emotions, you know, in Guatemala, it is the land of coffee. You know, people have been growing coffee for forever, and it's very normal for families to own coffee. So it's, if you get invited over to someone's house, it's, hey, do you want something to eat? Would you like some coffee, some water? I feel like they offer coffee over anything else um, in most places. And obviously for me and my family, uh, like I said, I'm probably the fifth generation uh, that has been involved in coffee. So that's, that's all I've known. I remember uh, growing up, the first time I ever got paid the first job I had was picking coffee during harvest when I think coffee when I drink coffee I just think family I think my childhood I think my country um so I, I, that's definitely the emotional type I mean that's again like most of the things we're gonna be talking about it's a very that's a very unique perspective from most of the other people I talk about because you actually have that of of being physically on farms very unique aspect I love that um so Something that has been going on on the past few episodes of the show, this has kind of been a recurring theme on the show, where a topic will get introduced, maybe even just by passing um, in a show, and then it just... And that topic that's currently bleeding over is this idea of honor, right? We think of specialty coffee, it's, it's more craft, but at the end of the day, I think where we are currently... The thing that we are trying to focus on as an industry, I would say, or I would say we should be, is how do we apply honor to every aspect of this industry? So we talked about cafe culture, 
Um, we talked about it from a barista standpoint um, with fellow baristas, with just serving um, guests who come into cafes. But the missing hole we've not really reached on except last episode where we talked briefly about how could we upload uplift farmers in cafe settings is how how do we acknowledge the farmers and the workers who are doing hard and humbling work there so Paulina if you could share a bit about from that perspective of maybe what it looks like um, on the farm from a worker's perspective and the actual intensiveness that is required of those workers. Yeah, so I mean, the, obviously, like the hardest part of uh, growing and producing coffee, the, the most labor intensive time is harvest time. Personally, for us at the farm, that's between November and December. Um, and usually you have migrant workers that come to the farm as well, because I mean, you need in the hundreds. We, I think our last harvest, we had 300 people on the farm uh, picking coffee. So, uh, I mean, you get up at the crack of dawn and you go out on the fields. Uh, normally we do, uh, you know, but we take a lot to pick each day. Um, and you just go around the farm like that weeks at a time. It might be three weeks before you come back to that lot because when you're picking, you know, you only want to pick the, the ripe cherries. Now, you don't want to be picking your green, yellowish ones. We only want to have, you know, we want the highest quality. So, obviously, it's very, very specific what you're picking. Um, and you got to think, like, you're picking, you're putting the coffee into your stack or your basket that you're carrying around. So, then you keep walking, you have 10 pounds on you, 20 pounds on you, 30 pounds on you, however much you're picking. Obviously, the more you pick, the, the more you get paid as well. Um, and... It is very, very humbling to watch. You know, it's everyone's in a great mood. Everyone's singing, whistling, laughing, talking to each other. Uh, but it is very hard work. Um, men and women do it. And it's, you know, they, they, they're very prideful. They're, they're very prideful in their work. So they, they do exhibit a lot of honor in what they're doing. Um, Coffee also takes a long time to get to that point, you know, from the point that it's a, a seedling to when it's in the nursery to when you can actually plant it in the field to when it produces its first year of a true harvest. It's around four to five years. Um, so it's a very, you require a lot of patience as a <laughs> farmer as well. Um, but that, that hard work um, that hundreds of people are doing every day for months at end you know, sleeping in tents, uh, camping out of the farm, whatever that may be, that's, that's really what um, us as farmers want to highlight as well, you know, because that cup of coffee that, that you're drinking, that a lot of work went into that. Yeah, I think the thing that I love so much about that is what you mentioned of how everyone is so joyful who's working on it. Like, despite it being a very um, surely daunting task, um, everyone's really joyful. I think that's really important, um, really on every aspect of being on a team. If you can even apply that to cafes, like if you have a team who is all, um, you know, motivated by by further things other than just maybe um, financial resources or by um, what they can get out of what they're doing, but it's the actual joy in um, the process. I think that's really that's that's lovely. So, um, and I think something you mentioned. Um, when we spoke the other day to get our details ironed out for today was that 
you can't really fully know until you've been there, right? Um, and I think that's something that not everyone will ever have the opportunity necessarily to go. You know, I personally, I would love it, but who knows if I'll have the opportunity to to go visit a farm and to go maybe do the work for a day or for a few days or for however long um, to maybe get that get that full impact. Um, so with that, um, how would you say that the farmers um, apply so the farmers, how do they apply honor to their own side of things in the sense of their own workers? Because, you know, you have the farmer and then you have their essentially employees. Um, how do they apply that? Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, I think there's a lot of, uh, from a farmer's standpoint, it's honoring how you treat the land that's been given to you, how you treat uh, your workers, your family that, uh, you know, produce what you're selling. Um, for us, I mean, that we have 13 families that live on the farm. Um, they've been there for generations, some of them. So, I mean, it is truly a, a family living in, in one big plot of land. Uh, we, because with, since we've tapped into a specialty coffee market um, and we've been able to, you know, sell at specialty prices, uh, we're able to pay our workers way over the minimum wage, um, you know, and we also, we have constant projects going on the farm, just trying to, trying to elevate them, trying to, you know, show them their worth as well. Uh, each family gets uh, a plot of land for their own personal crop. So they, they choose to plant whatever they want. And that may be for, for crops that they might sell outside of the farm that might be for their own consumption. That's, you know, up to them. Um, Obviously, there's children in the farm, and it is it is very normal in, in countries like Guatemala that as soon as the kid can go pick coffee, you know, that's where they are in the field working. But we believe in um, really having them pursue their education and showing them that there is something else. You know, there, there are other things to life than, than just uh, picking coffee, too. Um, so we have a we have a farm, uh, sorry, a school on the farm. It goes from I think we start around kindergarten grade up to the sixth grade uh one teacher teaching all these kids so props to her because oh, wow. I'm, I'm not sure how she does that uh we recently had the first graduating class from the sixth grade and then high school um you know they do have to go to the neighboring towns to to do that but um I mean I think that's a big thing you know um they get a level of education that you normally wouldn't have if you just come from the field um, there's also a church on the farm and, uh, and one of our recent projects also has been building, uh, cinder block houses for the workers. I mean, most of these houses that have been there for years, they're a little over a shed, you know, I mean, it might be made out yeah. of uh, tin or, or wood or, or, and it's one big room. Everyone sleeps in that same room. That's where you eat. That's where you sleep. That's where you hang out um and the houses that we have been able to build have honestly been through greatly funded through fundraisers with our clients here uh it's it's amazing to see that the support we get from uh people like prevail honest hatchet coffee i mean really everybody that that is part of our coffee family here is always incredibly supportive whenever we um tell them what we're trying to do for our workers um so, 
that that's where I'd say uh, honor as, as farmers comes into you know how you treat how you treat your family both here stateside at the end of the chain and at the beginning of the chain at the farm. Yeah, I think that's that's a great. It's great to have those seeds of of people who really care about every aspect that can kind of then bleed into the other people. Then it's up to the roasters to have that same mentality. Then it's up to the cafe to have that same mentality. Um, so just kind of a further, maybe faster answer to a question. Um, what would you say is a way, from your perspective and just based on what you've seen, that is a way that, say, someone like myself or someone um, like a coffee shop or um, a maybe industry professional who is not visiting these farms, who's not on this side of the supply chain, what would you say are, are something, something simple, it doesn't have to be a, a grand idea, but a simple thing that we can do to make sure that through our endeavors, we're uplifting these people who are so vital to this industry. And without them, we wouldn't even have our, our venues of, of using coffee. Um, so what, what would you say is something um, that we could do to do that? Um, I'd say two things. I mean, it might be like cliche, support small business, but I mean, it is true. You know, it is the, the local shops, the local coffee shops that are um, supporting the farmers that are doing their thing to, uh, you know, people going to support them. That's a big thing. And, and secondly, and that thing most importantly is education. So podcasts such as this, like what you're doing, I think it's amazing, you know, because you can help spread the word. You can help, hey, you know, did you know that for your cup of coffee to happen, this and this and this and this had to, uh, had to happen first. So I think it's just an awareness of how your coffee gets to that final product, how when you're buying that bag of coffee, you know, exactly what it means. Um, and, it, and it is through these specialty coffee shops that at the end of the day, just buying that one cup of coffee, that one bag of coffee, it all trickles down somehow to the farmer and to the worker. Yeah, I think that is like, it's simple enough, but, and I think that the thing that it's so, it's so simple that it's also in my mind very doable um, so I think we should all maybe be applying those, those ideas to our, our everyday walk with coffee, so to speak. Um, so yeah. a few more um, just conversations that we can, um, or topics rather, that we can have in this conversation. Um, one thing that you had mentioned to me, and it's something that a lot of people care about, um, and something that I would say Americans are starting to care more about, and it's a good thing, um, which is where their products come from. You know, when we're, we as consumers are, are becoming more like, oh, where does this food come from? Where is my, where is my clothing being manufactured? Where is, you know, there's just all of a sudden these things that are getting brought up that are kind of forcing us to maybe think this way. Um, and I would say that's true for coffee as well. Um, so a big thing that's with your, your family's um, farms and, and importing is the idea of traceability. So could you maybe speak on what traceability looks like for you guys as a um, as an importer yeah so I mean, traceability is like as you mentioned big for us you know that's one of our our three core values for family quality traceability uh, we pride ourselves in traceability and transparency because we you know we, we offer right now our offerings are four lots so if you ask me hey I'm interested in buying from your Las Maria's lot um, can you tell me a little bit more about that? I mean, we can tell you when it was harvested, 
um, what it looked like this year, production yields. Uh, we can pinpoint it on the farm. If you ever come visit, it's, hey, this is the lot where you buy your coffee from. And so we want you to know exactly what you're getting, you know, and I think traceability also helps uh, in the education portion of it, you know, because you can say, hey, so-and-so picked from this lot and this is exactly how it works. You know, it all, it all kind of messes together at the end, I think. But um, at the end of the day, we just want you to know that, you know, you're, you're drinking the highest quality that we could have produced. And this is exactly how it came from the farm to your hands. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's a great, I think, I think more, more companies just in blanket statement could have a lot more value to them if they would um, maybe focus more on, because, you know, a lot of businesses will, will establish these core values, right? And they'll establish these, you know, um, things that makes them different, but sometimes and they can get caught up in, in just the, the hustle or, or whatever adjective you would like to put there. Um, and they kind of lose trace of that. So it's very, it's very encouraging to see someone who is really trying to stay true to the. Just a few more things to maybe wind down in our conversation here. Um, one is just a general one you talked about um, that you'd mentioned we could maybe spring up is the idea of yield and how long that, say, yield actually takes before, um, say, a seed is planted to whenever um, it can be fully harvested and ready to be um, sold and imported. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess kind of like a quick timeline, you obviously start with, with the seed uh, and the seedlings are in the nursery for around 40 days until you can actually start to see the plants spring up. Um, in about three months, it's ready to be bagged. And then the bags move into, I guess, like the upper level nursery. Um, they stay there for about a year before you can plant them out on the field. And three years later, you have your first harvest. Um, so I guess the, the math on that is between four or five years. Um, and then also just to keep a healthy plant, every two to three years, you want to uh, kind of like cut. You can do two different types of cut on the plant. One is kind of like on the circumference of it, and then one also on the trunk. So then, you know, like a, a, a we would call it a, a daughter or a son <laughs> pops out of the, of the mm. first one. Um, but then you do lose a year when you do that. So it's kind of like a two, three years of harvest, one year off, two, three years of harvest, one year off. That, that's kind of what, what it looks like for coffee from harvest time. Stuff like farm information is where my knowledge, like I will be fully transparent in the admittance that I lack that knowledge. Um, so I think um, it's great that that I, I too, am, am learning right along the listener right now. Um, so that's true. It's, it's a brief conversation, but I think um, information packs nonetheless. Um, is there any other things that you would like to maybe say or mention or even um, like plug or shout out? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's, 
Well, I guess as far as shout-outs go, thank you for uh, to Honest Coffee for getting us in touch. Um, they've been we've been working together since our first year importing, and they've actually visited the farm as well. So uh, it's been a very fun ride with them. Um, and I guess just you know keep you keep keep doing what you're doing, and um, the any way that people can support farms in any way that us as importers can support coffee roasters. You know, that, that's what we're here for. That's uh, one of the things I love the most about the specialty coffee world is how willing everyone is to help each other and how happy everyone is to do it and how um, gratifying that can be for everybody as well. Absolutely. It's, it's an all ships rise kind of industry. And I love that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, thank you again, Paulina, for taking some time out of your evening um, to speak with us here on the show. It was wonderful having you. And also, thank you, Matthew Leonhardt, Director of Roasting at Honest Coffee Roasters, who connected Paulina and I so that we could have this conversation. And thank you, listener, for listening to Episode 13. Want to be featured on the show? You can when you visit anchor.fm forward slash 901cart, you can submit a voice message. Otherwise, to submit corrections, questions, and discussion starters, simply email at 901sustaincoffee at gmail.com. Please, as always, don't hesitate to let your thoughts be heard. Until next time.